0: Good morning, Westside. It's great to be with you today. Um, if you're uh, visiting with us for the first time, or maybe you've been just a few times, we would love for you to click on that um, connect button. I would love to be able to connect with you, to send you an email, to start getting to know you at least through that way. Um, so if you could do that for us, also check our website out because our next step page has some great, uh, great content on there that can help you. Learn more about your relationship with God. We would love for you to check that out as well. This week, we, um, I put out a, a video that talks about our regathering and coming back together. And the good news is, uh, as of right now, the plan is still to, next week, to regather together as a body. Even though I know it will be a smaller body because we will be practicing social distancing, so our chairs will be spaced that way, and we won't be able to seat as many. But I also know there'll be uh, quite a few of you that will choose to stay online for a while, and and that's that's fine. And I want you to know that uh, you are still a vital part of West Side and a vital part of our church, and we love you. And we just uh, hope and pray that it won't be too long before you'll be back with us as well. But I want you to know that uh, we've taken every precaution as was stated in the video, as well as if you were able to read through the transcript. And I'll probably post that again this week, just so that you can, if you didn't have a chance, you'll be able to see that as well. But we have taken every precaution that we can. In fact, um, on Saturday, uh, our, all the carpets in our, in our building were uh, shampooed and cleansed and disinfected, as well as uh, everything in our building. So uh, everything is going to be in great shape for when... Uh, you choose to come and be back with us. Now, as we begin today, I just want to read a passage from Psalm 78, just to kind of give us some background and to kind of set the stage for us. This is what the psalmist writes. "O my people, listen to my teaching. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and know, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children, but will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and his mighty miracles he he did. For he issued his decree to Jacob. He gave his law to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them even the children not yet born, that they in turn might teach their children so each generation can set its hope anew on God, remembering his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. That's Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 to 7. You know, we began a journey last week uh, that will hopefully allow us to fulfill those words that the psalmist shared. The journey is called One Big Story. As we begin today, we are going to discover a cycle that will repeat itself throughout this series and continues to repeat itself even today. It's one that we call an earthly dilemma that requires a heavenly solution. And the very first stage of this cycle is simply this. God creates, and it's all good. God creates, and it's all good. Now, for those of you who love to read, which I'm not necessarily one of those, I read, but it's not because I love to do it. It's because I need to at times. But my wife, Lucy, loves to read. I mean, she reads all the time. And so for those of you that do love to read, you know that some of the greatest literary works always seem to captivate you right from the get-go. And let me tell you, the Bible is no different because as we come into the opening chapter, even the opening uh, verse of this incredible story, it starts off in this amazing way. Look what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. Did you hear that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth. And as, as, as this amazing story unfolds, we get a glimpse of the main character. And guess who it is? It's God. I mean, the curtain rises and the spotlight comes on and it shines on him. He is the reason for it all. Now, the interesting thing is this. God is never explained. He is simply there. I mean, before there was time, before there was an earth, before there were people on this planet, God was there. And what he does is beyond amazing. He creates, he shapes, and he speaks the world into existence. Now, the Hebrew word in this verse for created is a word that is only used of divine creative activity. And it means this. To bring into existence something from nothing. Did you get that? To bring into existence something from nothing. And for six days, that's exactly what God does. On the first three days, God created the places, the light from the darkness, the water and the sky, and then all the land. On the next three days, God created the objects that would go in those places. The sun, the moon, the stars, the fish and the birds, the animals and the creatures that would occupy the land. And what is so cool is this, after he creates each thing, and when that day is finished, he simply says, and it was good. It was good. God creates, and it's all good. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that if we would just come to terms with this first verse of the story and believe within our hearts what it says, we wouldn't even consider questioning anything else that's found in God's story. I mean, why question the fact that a fish could swallow a man named Jonah? Or Daniel could be thrown into a pit with some angry and hungry lions and walk out without a scratch and with some new pets. And of course, why, why, would, why would we question when we think God is silent at times? I mean, if God can speak and the universe can come into existence, then all these other things are just small potatoes for the one who created everything. Now, as we come on down in chapter one, I think God knew that as good as it was, it still wasn't good enough. So look what he does. He creates again. Look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, I want to stop here for a moment. And I want you, in your notes, to circle the words us and our. You see, God didn't say, let me make man in my image. He says, let us make man in our image. And here's what we need to understand. Even at creation, we find the beginning of the teachings of the triune God, of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that is why... We read in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, these words. In the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by Him, and nothing was made without Him. And as we come on into the New Testament, a little further into the writings of Paul, Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Look what he says. He says, through his power, all things were made, things in heaven and on earth, things seen and unseen, all powers, authorities, lords, and rulers. All things were made through Christ and for Christ. He was there before anything was made. And all things continue because of him. Even from the beginning, God the Son was there creating. Now, when we get into chapter 2, we get a more detailed explanation how God created the first man and the first woman. And we're told that God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And then he literally just breathed his life into him. And when he saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone, he took a rib from man's side and created woman. You know what's so cool about this? It tells us that man is a unique creation, unlike any of God's other created beings. And despite what we, we may have heard or what we may have been taught in school, we did not evolve from a lower life form. We were created by God. I love this story. A little girl went to her mom one day, and and she simply said, Mom, she said, how did we get started? I mean, where did we all come from? And her mom said, well, honey, it's like this. The Bible says that God created man and woman. And the first men and women were Adam and Eve, and then they had kids, and then that's how everything got started. A few days later, she went, she asked her dad the very same question. And he simply said this: He said, Honey, it's like this. Many years ago, a long, long time ago, there was this group of monkeys, and people evolved from these monkeys. Now the little girl's just really confused. And so a few days later, after she had some time to think, she went and said, Mommy, I don't understand. You said that God created all mankind. And Daddy says, we we came from monkeys. And I'm confused. So her mom thought a minute. and She simply said, well, honey, it's like this. I told you where my side of the family came from. And your dad told you where his side of the family came from. Now. Here's what we can't forget. The Bible says that you are not an accident. Did you get that? You're not an accident. You are here for a reason. You have a purpose. And you were were created in the very image of God. And no other creature is made in God's image. And what that says to me is this. We have worth and we have value and we are greatly loved by our God. And because he loves us, he wants to spend time with us. Now, as we continue on in our story, what we find is this. After they were created, Adam and Eve obeyed God and fellowship with God. And they lived in perfect harmony with him. Now, we don't know whether that was for a couple days, a few weeks, or maybe a few months. But at this stage of the game, there's not ten commandments. There's just one. Look what chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 says. You may eat the fruit from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat the fruit from the tree which gives the knowledge of good and evil. If you ever eat fruit from that tree, you will die. But here's the thing, even though there was only one ground rule, the cycle that began at creation moves to the next stage and so God creates and it's all good but man sins and everything falls apart so as we come into chapter three there's a word picture that we that we need to understand because it helps us to see why his story is so important to our story Verse 8 says that God came down to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Now, why is that important to understand? Well, it's important because it tells us that God is just not way off somewhere out in the heavens just forgetting about his creation. He's not so busy that, that he just leaves us to, our, to ourselves. He created us and he loves us. And his desire is to be with us and to walk with us and to have a relationship with us. That's his desire. But unfortunately, with a little help, man messed things up. You see, it's here that we are introduced to Satan, the great deceiver. Look at Genesis chapter three verse one. Look what it says? The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You see, it's in this verse and the ones that follow that we discover how Satan deceives. And it's no different today than it was then. And the first thing he does is this. He questions God's word. And he gets us to question it. Verse 1, in verse 1, he said to Eve, did God really say that? I mean, did God really say that? You see, he questions God's word. And then he gets us to deny God's word. In verse 4, he says, you will not surely die. You won't surely die. He He didn't really mean that. He was just kidding when he said that. And then he reverses God's word. In verse 5, he says, instead, your eyes will be opened and you'll really live. You see, Satan is the father of lies. And unfortunately for Adam and Eve, they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Now, this is free of charge. But it's important that we understand it. Eve should not have eaten of the fruit. She shouldn't have eaten from the fruit. But can I tell you men something? And it's this, and you better, you better catch this. Adam should have protected his wife. You get that? Adam should have protected his wife. He should have helped her resist the temptation and then resisted it himself. And let me speak to all you men out there, especially on this Father's Day, you need to be the protect, protector and the provider and the spiritual, the spiritual influence in your family, leading them, guiding them, protecting them, helping them to overcome temptation, not giving in to it and allowing them to follow. Guys, we need to be that protector, especially of our spouses. And so because they gave in to sin, their innocence is replaced with the feelings of guilt and shame. And because of that, the first thing that they tried to do was simply to hide and, to, and then to cover up their shame. You ever been there? When you got caught in a sin, all of a sudden you, you try to hide, thinking that somehow you can get away from God. Or you try to cover it up, hoping that somehow nobody will know, nobody will see you see, here's what we got to understand. Sin causes everything to fall apart. That's the earthly dilemma that requires a heavenly solution. And as you go through the next few chapters in Genesis, this cycle that they started doesn't stop with them. I mean, they, they just began the downward spiral. In fact, it raised its ugly head again with their sons, in the lives of their sons when Cain took Abel out into a field and killed him. And the downward spiral just kept getting worse. And so by the time you get into chapter 6, the world has become so filled with evil that God God not only decided to wipe it out with a flood, but he also says, I'm even, I'm just sorry that I even made man. Wow. It broke his heart. And if you stopped here, you might assume that God is going to give up on his creation. After all, our earthly dilemma was still begging for a heavenly solution. And here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't disappoint when it comes to that solution. He's been working upstream the whole time. And so in the middle of this chaos, the cycle takes a turn. You see, God creates and it's all good. Man sins and everything falls apart. But then God promises and there's hope. God promises and there's hope. You know, one of the things that that we are going to discover through this series is a recurring concept that's called the lower story and the upper story. The lower story is the one that's being written and told from an earthly perspective, it's the day in and day out stuff of life. But the upper story is the one being written and told from above, from God's perspective. It's where we discover what God is up to and how he is weaving our story into his. So as we have seen so far in our lower story, sin enters, brings isolation and death, and it brings hopelessness. But in the upper story, God is revealing rays of hope. That's why if you look closely, you will find that there are a couple windows of hope that crack open in chapter 3. These are the first pictures we get of the coming Messiah, Jesus. Here's what we discover. First of all, after Adam and Eve's sin, God addresses Satan. And this is what he says in verse 15. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies. As will your offspring and hers. You will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. Now, what's God saying here? Well, this is what I believe he's saying. He's saying, Satan, there's going to come a time when you will try to take out my son, the Messiah, Jesus, who is the offspring, the seed of Adam. And you will bruise his heel on a Friday, but on that Sunday morning, he will crush your head. Now, let me tell you, that's pretty awesome, right? And that brings a lot of hope. And what God is saying to us is this, there is hope no matter what life looks like. No matter what you think you're going through today, maybe the craziest and toughest thing you've ever gone through, there is still hope. Because Jesus overcame. He overcame. Here's the second ray of hope that we find. And it's just a few verses after that. You see, because of their sin, Adam and Eve, again, they felt naked and they felt ashamed. And so they tried to cover it up with fig leaves. But look at verse 21. Look what it says. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. You see, God does something amazing. And he does something very uh, prophetic as he takes an innocent animal. And maybe he does this right in front of Adam and Eve, I don't know. But he kills it, sheds its blood, and then he takes its skin and he covers their nakedness and shame. This is an amazing prophetic picture of what Jesus will one day do for all mankind. And God was showing them at this time and at this moment, in order for sin to be taken care of, it always takes the shedding of blood. It always does. And that's what Jesus would do for us. And let me tell you, that's an incredible promise of hope. Let's reflect. Now, as we think about what we have talked about today, the reality of life is this we all have an earthly dilemma, it's called sin. And sin requires a heavenly solution. And as we saw with Adam and Eve, we can't cover up our sin. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you cannot cover up your sin. We can't hide our sin and think everything will be okay. There's no place you'll ever go where you can outrun God. There's no place you can hide that he cannot see. You see, our Lord's story deals with that sin in our life. It deals with our embarrassments, our fears, our anxiety, and our struggles. Adam and Eve's choice has become our choice. But in the upper story, the God of the universe is unfolding his amazing story in and through us. And so in the midst of the darkness that we seem to live in at times, God gives us a ray of hope, and that hope is in the person of Jesus, and his death has paid the price for our sin, and his blood has covered our guilt and shame, and his resurrection has given us life. Wow. That's incredible hope. That's what we all have in Jesus. Our lower story may not look like much, but the upper story that God is writing is amazing. It's incredible, and it's filled with hope. I don't know where you're at today as you watch, but if you need Jesus in your life, please click on that connect so that I can connect with you, so we can talk, so we can share about Jesus, go to those, the, our next step page and look at those videos on God's love and what you need to do to give your life to Jesus and about baptism. Because we need to do everything we can just to get ourselves back to where we're living towards the upper story. I wanna pray with you. But again, if you need anything, please contact me. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you next week. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for all you do. And God, thank you. You are such an amazing creator. But I also thank you that you didn't give up on us. That you gave us hope right from the get-go. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.